are going to start a, a new series that I really believe uh, the Lord was leading me towards that I believe is good for all of us. We're going to title it Building Better Relationships. Building Better Relationships. And, you know, the fact is relationships are necessary and vital to all of us. Uh, every one of us. You can't live in this world without them. <laughs> Everywhere you go, you deal with people. It's an inescapable fact. Unless you're going to be a hermit and you're going to hide yourself somewhere and just be away from everybody, you're going to deal with people. And I guarantee you, there's no hermit that is completely happy. There's no hermit that is fulfilled in their life. The fact is, is that we need people. Everybody say that with me. Say, I need people. All right, that's the way God designed us, to need people. I mean, think about it. With every person you encounter whether it be a spouse or children, relatives, friends, co-workers, church family. Uh, it could be the people you deal with at work. It could be uh, the people you deal with when you purchase things or go to the grocery store. At some level, you have a relationship with them. At some level, there's some encounter, and some encounters are more positive than others. How many would agree? I mean, sometimes you can have a, a good time going to, a, a, for example, a store, getting what you need, and other times you, you would say that wasn't a positive experience. <laughs> there was a lot of things that could have been better about that. Well, some of that starts with you and your attitude and the way you approach things. But let's consider relationships for a moment. How many of you, I mean, don't, don't you want a good relationship with someone that's going to repair your car? Or perhaps work on something in your home. You want a good relationship with them. Why? Well, there are benefits to a good relationship. In other words, you want them to go the extra mile for you. You want them to be trustworthy and straightforward and fair with you. You want them to be honest. Uh, you want to, of course, how many like a good deal? You know, I mean, you want it fair. I mean, I, I never ask anybody. You know, there, there are people, I've actually seen preachers do this, ask for a preacher deal. Man, that is shameful. That is shameful. You never go to try to get something for nothing. Amen? How many believe that everybody ought to earn something? Right? And so it's only right. And so I never try to squeeze someone right out of their profit. That's wrong. How many believe God is more than enough? Amen? He'll abundantly supply us to where we can be fair and everybody can be blessed. Amen? We always get a good deal. Say it with me. I always get a good deal. Everywhere I go. I have favor. With God and man. Now say that all the time. Don't just say it once in a while. Say it all the time until you are convinced of it. And everywhere you go, you'll know. I know I'll get a good deal. I can't get ripped off. I just can't get ripped off. It just can't happen to me. You know? And even when I think, well, you know, maybe this isn't the best deal. All of, I've had this happen. Well, you know, I worked it out. That's the one I want. I don't want to go anywhere else. And all of a sudden the guy out of the blue says, you know what? I'm going to take off so much more off that. And I didn't even ask. Praise God. God's good. Amen. But the fact is, a lot of this is connected to good relationships. Obviously, if you have a poor relationship, even on a, on a low level, and you're mean and hateful and, 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 and irritated and, and bad-mouthing them, they're not going to be obliged to what? do good things for you, right? I mean, the worst thing you can do is go into a restaurant and start ranting and raving. God knows what they're doing to your meal behind the kitchen. I mean, you know, I mean, what I'm trying to say is, is that, and I'm not saying that would be across the board. Most people are honest and trustworthy, but I'm sure there's a few that have done some 
things we wouldn't want to discuss up here, I mean, to somebody's food because they were mean and hateful. So it doesn't pay to be that way. How many know you'll catch more flies with honey? Amen? I mean, yeah, if you're sweeter, you'll get a lot more done. Now, we should all desire better relationships with those close to us. It's worth us spending some time, some effort, even money, developing skills that help us enhance our relationships, causing them to go stronger. Why? Because, well, first of all, we get to be a greater blessing to others, but also we receive the benefits of those good, healthy relationships. I mean, when I put good things into my marriage with my wife, well, I'm obviously doing it primarily for her, helping her, whatever that might be, but there is a sideline benefit to it. I live with her. So in other words, you know, you've heard this term, happy wife, happy Well, some of you haven't heard it. Let's try that. All right. Happy wife, happy life. Okay. So in other words, but it goes both ways. You know, if the husband's miserable, well, the wife's not going to be happy either. And so the more we sow, the more we put some effort into relationships, the more that comes back to us. Now, over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to give you some keys, some practical keys that you can use. But today, we're just going to go ahead and build this up some to help us understand the importance of relationships. You know, I looked up the word relationship just in the dictionary. I just felt prompted. And so when I did, one of the descriptions I really, really liked was connection. Okay, everybody say connection. You know, connections are important. We're connected to people. And when you look at it that way, it really changes a lot of things because we have these connections all over the place, this web of connections with people. And what we want to do is make that web stronger. We want to enhance uh, that relationship, that connection we have with individuals, whether it be in your family, all the way down to the people you might see just casually somewhere. Now, Jesus was once asked, what was the greatest commandment of all? And uh, what is absolutely more important than anything as far as a command from God? Most of you know this. Let's look at it. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 and 31. And Jesus said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment and the second like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. How many believe Jesus made himself very clear here? He didn't leave room for us. I didn't understand. I mean, he basically said what? He said, love God with everything that you have and love people, right? It's not hard. Everybody say it with me. Love God and love people. Now, with loving God, he did lay out a Uh, direction for us. In other words, what did he mean when he said love God? He meant with everything that you are. Remember, all your heart, all your soul. You've heard me teach on this before, some of you that have been around a while. If you can love God with all of your heart, can you not love him with half your heart? He had to say all your heart, 100%, meaning no room left over for anything else. Well, we can love God with part of our heart. And leave room for something else. And so we want to love God with all of our heart. I want you to take notice as we look at this. Love God with all of your heart. And uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to notice something. That the greatest commands from God involve what? 
relationships. Think about it for just a moment. God essentially gave us our highest priority in life, our connection with Him and people. In other words, the greatest command we have in life is wrapped around our relationship with God and our relationship to people. Now, if the greatest command that we have is wrapped around that, in other words, somebody might say love. I heard several of you say love. Love is very, very important here, but we are to love whom? You understand what I'm saying? We love God with everything that we have, and we love people. But love without the people, (laughs) love without God, it's not going anywhere, right? It's like having furniture with no one to sit in it. In other words, the fact is, is that we are, it's about God and it's about people, all right? It's about connections. It's about relationships. I believe God hardwired us for relationships. Think about this. God makes Adam and Eve, okay? And one of the questions might be, well, why did he make Adam and Eve? Well, the first command that he gives Adam and Eve is what? I want you to to grow, to multiply, to fill the earth. In other words, with what? More people. More people, more relationships. More relationships, more connections. In other words, we could say it this way in a simple way, that God wanted a family. That God wanted family. Okay. Now somebody might say, well, he's God. I mean, he doesn't have any needs. Apparently he did. Apparently, he wants a connection with us. You see, he, well, he's surrounded by angels. He's surrounded by all kinds of things. Well, remember, angels are, don't have a will of their own, okay? They don't have a choice. They are, for lack of a better term, spiritual robots. They just do what God commanded them to do. What happens when they don't? Just ask the devil and the crowd that went with him. It didn't work out too well, did it? When they just decided, we're just going to do our own thing. And so they have a will, but they don't have a right to choose what they're going to do with it. Okay, Where people, totally different. You are not a puppet on a string. All right, God loves you, and he gave you a will and gave you the choice to do something with it. In other words, you have the ability to choose. And that changes everything when it comes to love. That change, that's a game changer in relationships. The relationship that God has with angels is completely different than the relationship he has with us. We are his children. We can love him back without being required to. In other words, he loves us. He loves us no matter what, but he gave us a choice to respond. Can you choose not to love him? Can you choose to say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want anything to do with heaven. Poor choice, but you can make it, right? So the fact is, is that you have a a choice, you have a decision, but I believe that this desire for relationships is hardwired in us. It's part of who we are. It's part of God and it's part we're made in His image. And it's in us. We need them. You know, through relationships, we become better people. Uh, Proverbs 27, 17 in the New Living says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens his friend or a friend. In other words, what this scripture is basically saying is that you, you know, you may not always agree with the people closest to you. 
You may not even like the same things they like. But if you'll honor them, if you'll love them, then they will sharpen the rough edges off of you, making you a better person. My wife makes me a better person. Hopefully she would say that I make her a better person in some areas. You know, (laughs) not every area. Because sometimes how many know we can pick up our bad habits as well as the good habits, you know? It's like we've been married long enough, it's like we're switching in some things, you know? It's like I'm, I'm taking on more of her, she's taking on more of me. It's, it's weird, you know? I mean, it wasn't that way 20 years ago, but the more we're married, the, the more it seems to converge a little bit, you know? The more we're like. But the fact is this, is that if you'll allow yourself to be in good relationships Uh, especially with someone that has qualities you don't have. What I mean is, when you're going to go look for a friend, don't look for someone with lower standards than you. Look for someone with higher standards than you. Look for someone that's got strengths that you need. And what will happen is, as you're around them, it's going to rub off a little bit. It's going to affect you. And see, you need someone to sand off the rough edges on you. You know, church is a lot like that. That if someone will get involved in church, it will change their life. Just come to a work day. We're going to have a work day January 26th, okay, in a couple of weeks. I promise you, you need to work along someone that is absolutely different than you, and it will be a life changer for you. Because you'll have your attitude, no, we should do it this way. And they'll say, no, we're going to do it this way. And then somebody else says, no, both of you are wrong. This is the way it's going to be done. And now what happens? You have the opportunity to get offended. You have the opportunity to walk out of love. You have the opportunity to, to say what's on your mind. You have the opportunity. And see, what happens is you're kind of forced into this shutting your mouth and walking in love. And there's this fusion thing going on. And what it will do is it will wipe off those rough edges. You need that. You need that challenge. It's called growing up. It's called maturing. A lot of people avoid this. But I'm telling you what, how many would agree that as I've gotten involved, that it, that's a, it's a game changer? Put your hand up. Quit being ashamed. I don't want anybody to know it was me rubbing someone wrong. But, I mean, see, what I'm trying to say is when you work alongside people, that changes you. It, it impacts you. Why? Because everybody's different, like in church, you know? We're all a body of believers, but we have different We have different tastes. We have different backgrounds, likes and dislikes. We have different beliefs in some things, but we have one thing in common, and that is we love God and we love people. Well, when you take that mix and you throw it in, God's a genius. Because how He causes you to grow, He causes you to grow by mixing you up with different people who think differently and have different opinions and then puts you together and says, now I want you to work together in unity. (laughs) <laughs> I can just picture sometimes that's the way Jesus is just laughing his head off the way he sees some things go because he knows what's going to happen. But the reality is what comes out on the other side, if you will, of the blender. We come out better than we were when we went in. Something transforms us. Something changes us. Well, part of that is because, again, those relationships as we work alongside each other, cause us to grow and improve because we have to make adjustments in life. I mean, I am far more mature, I'd like to think, in my marriage than I was when I started out. Now, Lisa and I have been married, how long, Lisa? 
31 coming, 33, wow. So 33, and some of you are like, Psh, that's nothing, you know. 33 is 33 for us. She's been the one and only. But 33 years, I'd like to think that I know a few more things, and I've grown since originally. You know what I'm saying? Amen? How many of you guys are growing? Yeah, that, now everybody puts their hand up for that one. Many have wasted years of valuable time that they could have had great relationships, but they didn't. Why? Because the fact is, is that they didn't really place a priority on what's most important in life. They allowed other things maybe to cloud. Uh, it could be, uh, you know, job security. It could just be any number of things that dragged a lot of their attention away from where it really should have been. In other words, if you, all of you just stop for a moment, just think, what is most important in life? What is most important in life? Now ask yourself this question, what should be most important in your life? Not my life, not someone else's life, but you. When you get back to it, I still come back to what Jesus said. Remember? What are the greatest commands? In other words, and what were they about? They were about our relationship with Him, and they were about our relationship with people. That is the most important thing you have. Consider this for a minute. When you go on to heaven, you can't take your possessions with you. When you go on to heaven, you can't take your accomplishments with you. The only thing that you can leave here, this earth, leave with is people. People. Think about it. If you were given notice this morning that in about 30 days you're going to go to heaven, all right? You were given notice, and you knew. I mean, this is a real deal, okay? I mean, you know, 30 days, I'm going to heaven. Ask yourself this. Would it change how you deal with your relationships? Would you reevaluate how you're dealing with them? In other words, probably most of us would, and we wouldn't waste another moment. We would value the time we have with those that mean the most to us. We would most definitely change our priorities in life. How many of believe the big game probably wouldn't be a priority if you knew you were going home to be with the Lord in 30 days? Some things would just absolutely be meaningless to you anymore. That's not important because I only have so much time and the clock is ticking and I can't make it go back and I'm getting closer and closer to it. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> Why not just change our priorities right now? Why wait for the notice? <laughs> Besides that, <laughs> the Bible basically tells us you don't know the day or the hour. You don't know how long you have. Do you? Exactly. There's a lot of things in life you don't know. So what you need to do is not live a life of regret. There's a lot of people that are laying in a hospital room today, close to death, that all they can do is think about their regrets. <laughs> I, I should have done this. I should have done that. Don't live that way. Just stop right now and say, I'm changing my priorities today. I'm changing the way I view things and making what's most important most important. Now, let's swing a little bit to communication. Good communication involves talking, listening, understanding, and taking action. 
Now think about how many problems that could be solved by just communicating successfully. Think about it for a moment. Think of every argument that anybody could have. That they're screaming about their side. There is a reason that it isn't working very well. I mean, look at our president right now and and the whole situation with the border wall and what's going on. Now, if everybody would, would first of all, get real, okay, get real, everybody say get real, that means get rid of all the pretense, get rid of all the right and left, get rid of all the Democrat, Republican stuff, and do what's necessary, do what's right, and then get past that, and then and then seek, listen to me, seek to understand more than be heard, we could change things. We could change things. But every argument, every war is about, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And I'm not listening to what you have to say. Think about divorce. Think about anything like that. I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm not listening. Now, you might not say it in those, those words, but that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it really comes down to that. It comes down to selfishness. It comes down to only seeking your end of things. You know, I was looking up and did a little bit of research, and I've seen this coming from a very, very large company I worked for. The best, most innovative and successful companies are those that communicate effectively internally. And what I mean is they allow time for and encourage communication and the sharing of ideas among their employees. I dug a little bit further, and many of you are familiar with Facebook and and a lot of the other social media sources. You may not use them, but they're there. Well, a lot of companies have actually, over the last probably 10, 15 years, have turned to internal social networks to open communication lines between employees to get them talking. In other words, many companies have discovered the value of social networks within the company, and this helps coworkers communicate, connect, collaborate to make a better company. In other words, the small guy that no one listens to might have a genius idea that could turn things around. Well, they're saying, you know what? <laughs> I don't care what your rank is. I want to hear what you have to say. And see, if we're just open to communication like that, that's a game changer. It's the same way in any relationship we're in. For example, the relationship can only be as successful as the communication. So let's take marriage, for example. Poor communication in marriage equals a weak marriage. It's that simple. It's not rocket science. A lot of marriages have problems because they're not talking. And when they aren't talking, all they're doing is yelling. Because no one's listening. (laughs) Amen, pastor, that was good. Y'all know that's the truth. And see, we need to be willing to change. We need to be willing to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute, now there's a better way of doing this. Now, there's a lot of people think, you can say whatever you want to say, but it doesn't matter how you say it. But the Bible has a lot to say about that. What you say and how you say it does matter because it matters in the sense that, first of all, no one's listening if you're yelling and screaming, right? All they're doing is coming up with their argument to what you're doing. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, I like this in the New Living. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't think 
right off the bat, oh, that's talking about cussing. Because abuse of language could be a lot of things, okay? Words that cut, words that hurt, okay? Uh, belittling words. So don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, this is the Word of God, right? How many would agree? All right? I'm not, I'm not just, I didn't make this up. I didn't say, hey, and put my name next to it. All right? I didn't write it. I just copied it. All right? Look what it says. Out of your mouth, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In other words, it's implied here that we're not saying negative hurtful, hateful, destructive words. Those words are not coming out of our mouth. They can't come out of our mouth. If we're going to have successful communication, God-blessed successful communication. You know, the Word of God basically here is telling us this, (laughs) and we've all heard this so many times. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Just shut up. Just don't say anything. It's that simple. If you don't have anything positive to say, if you don't have anything helpful, if you don't have anything encouraging, then zip your lip. It's that simple. It's really not hard to understand. The key to effective communication is to use words that build up, not tear down. The moment you start using tear down language, the other person shuts down. And so you're not getting anywhere. And see, we are... I'm telling you what, we are hard-headed about this. Anybody, anybody got a problem with this in their life sometimes? I do. I can point out a few people, I know, I mean, that, that can have that challenge. We're so focused on trying to get across something that we're not, we end up not getting anything across. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, she doesn't have that up there, but the latter part of the verse says, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. In other words, we must speak the truth, okay? How many would agree with that? We must speak the truth, but that truth must be communicated in love. You could probably say that some of the things I've said this morning were hard. (laughs) Like, ow, pastor, you know? I mean, I heard someone say one time, don't get offended by everything that's coming out. If the shoes fit, wear them. In other words, if, if it's not bothering you, if you're, if you're doing good in that area, then no big deal. But if the shoes fit, if it stings, if it hurts, you're like, oh, I need to work on Oh, I need to work on Oh, I need to work on that. Well, then work on it. Amen? No one's picking on anybody. How many got room to grow? I got plenty of room to grow. I mean, well, the fact is this. The Scripture is telling us to communicate in love. In other words, sometimes we think, you know, my wife, she'll tell me, a lot that that was a little hard okay you said that a little bit hard well in 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 her mind it seems hard in my mind i am really loving that person it depends on who i'm talking to and how i'm talking to him i believe that i could talk to larry differently than i could talk to someone else why i have a relationship with larry i know where larry's at and i can talk to him very bluntly about some things and i'm not going to mix words with him on some things 
because I know we can take it. But uh, there are other people I have to be a little more gentler with, and I have to, I have to caress it a little bit more. <laughs> i got to wrap it in a Hershey's Kiss and a nice little bow at the top and then hand it to them, then they'll eat it. You know? Remember the thing you used to play with the kids, trying to get them to eat something that was good for them or their medicine? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I have to do that open wide. <laughs> you know, and i got to make you laugh or something like that. Then i got it in there real quick, and then I'm done. Okay, I got the word of God in you, you know. But the fact is this, is that sometimes we can misunderstand what love is. Jesus said some pretty bold statements. He, he didn't mix any words in some things. How many believe every word that ever came out of his mouth was in love? He was love. And so sometimes we think, well, that's kind of harsh and rough. Well, again, was it in love and did it have any other motive? See, he didn't have any other motive when he would say it. Sometimes we say, well, I said that boldly. I'm just a bold guy, and I just say bold things. I just say it like I see it. Well, sometimes I think your motive is wrong. I think sometimes you're thinking more about you and what you're saying and just like to hear yourself talk than, than actually getting something done. But sometimes as a pastor you know, or a minister, I can say some very, very bold things, but I really do mean it in love. I really want to see a change. Sometimes the shock value alone is worth it. Because that shock value, I can't believe he just said that. Well, I got the medicine in, didn't I? You're thinking about it now. (laughs) You know, sometimes I got to do it, but I do it in love. I'm not doing it because I have some other motive. Dear Lord, I mean, if I had an... Think about it for a moment. If I were to say something that could clean the whole house out, why would I do that? You know, now you don't know how many times I've left here. The Lord told me they're all going to leave. Everybody, they're all going to leave. You're going to come back Sunday and no one's going to be here. <laughs> you know, because maybe I, the Spirit of God said some things through me. But if it's in love, how many of you know it? You know it. You know, you, you, you know the, the, what does the Word of God say about a father who loves his son? He corrects him. I love that correction. That means my father's thinking about me. I love that. I love being corrected that way because that means someone cares about me. But the son you don't care about, that you're not concerned about, that you could give a flip what they do, you just won't ever correct them. You won't ever adjust them. Amen? I want you to know you're loved around here. Corrected, but loved. Amen? (laughs) All right. So we talked about how we should say it, and what we shouldn't say. We shouldn't belittle anyone. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that the easiest people to cut down in life, to hurt with words, are the people we care about the most. Why is that? Because the closer we are to someone, the more we let our guard down. <laughs> the more we open up, like at home. And we'll say things at home that, dear Lord, I never want the preacher hearing. I never want this hearing. I never want, you know, somebody to hear that. Now, we know we're growing up and maturing when we can be the same all the time, 100% of the time. I just am who I am, and I know who I am. And I walk in love, and I know what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I have control over my tongue, my thought life. Amen? That's where we're all headed, right? But many times, we'll say things that we really regret. You know, I wish I wouldn't have said that. It was, I mean, do you ever get in a fight with your spouse and you, you open your mouth and you say it, thinking, the moment you said it, thinking, what a dumb thing to say. I mean, you know, you're thinking in your own mind, that was so stupid. Now I really dug a hole. And uh, guys, we're really good at that kind of stuff. But I'm sure the girls can do their part. 
<laughs> All right. Communication, communication specialists say there are actually six messages that come through when you talk with someone. And this is very interesting. What you, so the six things. Number one, what you mean to say. Number two, what you actually say. There's a difference between what you mean to say and what you actually say. Number three, what the other person heard you say. The, the other person didn't necessarily hear what you said. My wife and I have had many of intoxicating conversations about this because she didn't hear what I said or she didn't understand it the way I said it and vice versa, okay? Number four, what the other person thinks they heard you say. Number five, what the other person says about what you said. And number six, what you think the other person said about what you said. You know, to be honest with you, communication can be quite complicated sometimes. There's a lot more to it. You, you know, you've heard me say this, some of you, that if anything can be misunderstood, it will be misunderstood if there's more than two people involved. I'm going to say that again. I really want to sink in. Anything that can be misunderstood will be misunderstood if there's more than two people involved. You, you know, I could go ahead and take a, a survey of my notes verbatim of what I said when we're done, and you guys would all give me different answers. Oh, you said this, Pastor. Oh, you said this. You might even try to quote me on something. And oh, you said this. You said this. And we could look at the thinking, well, were we all in the same room? I mean, what happened here? Well, you're hearing at different levels. And what I mean is some of you are more mature spiritually than others. Some of you are more attentive than others. Some of you are more awake than others. Some of you are more, I'm really focused and paying attention than others. And so you're going to hear different things. The more focused you are, the more alert you are, the more I'm really focused and listening. I'm not allowing myself to be distracted. Guess what? Who's going to get the most out of it? That person. And then, of course, the person who actually does something with what they heard, being a doer of the word. But the fact is this, we all hear Different things. So think about it in your communication, whether it be your spouse or children. I remember my children, I really did my best, honestly. They're all adults now and grown up and out. But I really did my best to try to understand them. Try to understand their point of view. Try to remember what was it like when I was their age. And guess what? The what was it like when I was their age, it's changed a little bit. We didn't have all these communication methods when I was younger. The communication message was either a dial phone or yell out the back door. I mean, <laughs> that was it. I mean, there was no other communication. Now it was like, literally, I mean, I didn't, my, when the, the cell phones first started coming out, deciding, you know, how old they'd be when they'd have their own phone and the responsibility with that and how it backfired a couple times and, and, and so on and so forth were all lessons. But the fact is, is that in communicating, whether it be your own children or someday grandchildren, uh, for some of you, you got them, or, or a spouse or a coworker, your the communication skills that you have can greatly improve your life or just keep you right where you, where you are, or make it worse. But they can make a difference. You can grow in this particular area. So let me give you step one 
of what we're going to talk about. Um, step one, we're just going to touch this today and we'll finish it next week. Step one, how we can build better relationships. Ready? Drum roll. Put God first. Shocker, huh? <laughs> I can almost hear everybody saying, I always hear that is the first point at most messages. Well, the fact is this. Putting God first is essential and beneficial to every area of our life. Jesus told us in Matthew 6.33 in the New Living, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Well, living righteously is living by His Word, living by the direction of the Spirit of God. So it's seeking God first. It's putting God and His Word first place in our lives. Now, why is that so important? Well, I believe that when we do this, we're putting things in life in the right order. See, if we don't start there, we're already out of order. But remember, what did God say was the greatest command? Love Him with everything. So what was God doing when He gave us those commands? He was giving us priorities. He said, if you'll put me as number one, if you'll put my word number one, our instruction manual for life, our guide, if we'll put this number one, then everything else will start to come in line. But if we refuse to put this number one, we're going to have issues. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have problems. And so I'm not saying we won't have any of these challenges and problems, but what did Jesus tell us about being a doer of his word? That if we would hear his word and we would act on his word, what would happen? The storms of life would come, but we'll make it through them. And we'll be better for it. We would have grown and developed and still standing on good ground. But if we don't, do the word if we just kind of casually hear if we don't get that serious about the lord what happens he said you're building your life on sand and the same storm is going to come but it's going to wipe you out you're going to go through hard difficult times and it's going to be really hard to build back up again amen everybody say put god first so listen to me carefully by placing god's word first in our life we're putting the lord first that keeps our priorities right By seeking and being obedient to God's word, we position ourselves for blessing. And that includes our relationships. So it all starts there. If you will get your relationship right with God, and when I say right with Him, I just mean you're acting on it. You're connected to Him. You're communicating with Him. You're in the Word of God and being a doer as He reveals to you His Word. You're listening to your spirit. You're spending time with Him. You're around Him. Then you're developing your fellowship with Him, your relationship with Him, that connection you have with the Lord. When you get that right, this is going to get a whole lot easier. But if you got this before this, you're going to have a problem. It's going to be challenging. You're not going to get anywhere. It's kind of like being a hamster. You ever seen a hamster on one of those wheels? Man, they're working hard. Man, they're just moving. You know, going (laughs) and just keep on going. But are they getting anywhere? You know, like worrying, you know, the expression of worrying is like a rocking chair. (laughs) You're doing something, but you're not making any headway. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) You're just rocking the chair. Well, the fact is, is that we need to be putting God first actively. And if we'll do that, we're going the right direction. 
The Word of God has much to say about relationships. I, again, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it today. I think your, your tank is getting close to being full here, I can tell. But let's look at a couple scriptures that help us some, okay? Proverbs 12.18 in the New Living. Proverbs 12.18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. So you can choose in life to either be someone who brings someone down, that makes those cutting remarks, that hurts, that belittles, that, that is not helpful, that is discouraging, or you can bring healing in life in your words. That you can choose to speak words that are encouraging. There are a few people in my life over the years I've been serving the Lord that have really got a hold of controlling their tongue. And they are such a blessing to be around me. They always have the right thing to say. They always have this, this way of no matter what I might be going through the challenge, and they might not even be aware of it. God just uses them to just speak into my life, and it's valuable to me. But the fact is, you can choose to bring healing. Ask yourself this, in any relationship, which one's better? Making cutting remarks. In other words, complaining, griping, uh, gnashing, going after it. Uh, I have to give my opinion. I have to speak my mind. Or giving life-giving words. Which one's better? Which one's going to get more headway? Which is going to change the situation? You're just going to frustrate yourself if you always just have to speak your mind. And trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm in one of those... When, when, when things go poorly, like I paid money for something or a service, and everything went wrong, I so bad want to ream someone. I really want to get in there. Ask my wife. She used to just pull me back sometimes. Remember, you're a pastor. You know, she'll pull me back. But, you know, I just really want to, but see, that isn't going to get me anywhere. It's going to make the situation worse. Plus, I didn't make the Lord look good. How many of you believe God, listen to me, can you imagine Jesus in a picket line? No more. He wouldn't do that. But we got Christians who would go picket something. You know, I don't like that. I don't see that in Scripture. I just don't see the value of that. I see someone hateful, destructive, and guess what they put them on the news? Christians are hateful and destructive. You know, don't. (laughs) I'm telling you, the best thing we can do is shut up and pray (laughs) and act on the word. Amen. Everybody say, those are good words. Shut up. Everybody say it. Shut up. Pray and act on the word. Amen. A lot of times, my old pastor, he used to say, well, what is the vision for our church? You ready? (laughs) Shut up, sit down and grow up. (laughs) You can't do that anymore. That's not politically correct. I mean, that's just, whoa. I mean, he used to say, hey, we brag about it. I could take any 3,000-member church in over a week and bring it down to 200. Now, some of you are like, what? All he had to do was preach one good, strong sermon about commitment. Boom! I mean, you know, I mean, anyway, I'll leave it at that. That's good, guys. I mean, I'm telling you what, because we are letting too much of the world influence the church. It should be the other way around. Amen? Amen? I mean, we ought, we ought to, if, we, if Christians would do what's right, if they, if they would pray and vote, everybody say it, pray and vote, and do those two things and rise up, we'd turn around this nation in no time. 
I mean, it's that simple. But we're not all doing that, you know. But praise God for those who are. Amen? Amen? We're, we're not going down the tubes. Why? I'm not. Are you? Amen? Praise God. So we're doing okay. <laughs> James 1.19. One last scripture. James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, in my life, in the past, I've been very, very fast to get angry, <laughs> very, very fast to talk, and slow to listen. <laughs> I mean, it, that is something I've changed, and that is something that I've grown and matured in, still working on. Anybody? You know, i got takers on that, still working on that? Yeah, Lisa, whoa, my wife, she did that. I got her. I could bring it back up later. All right, so the fact is, though, what is this telling us about relationships? Let me ask you this. Just, just stop and think for a moment. If we would listen twice as much as we speak, and we would never do it angry, could that not help us communicate more effectively? Would that not help us in marriage or in any relationship? But see, we have to act on the Word. God gave us the instructions. He's saying, you need to act on this. You need to do this. We need to meditate on it. We need to be thinking about it. We need to be confessing it. Why? So we're ready to act on it. When we act on it, it's a game changer. Listen to me. Knowing about the Word won't change a thing in your life. You can know all kinds of facts. I know guys that can quote far more Scripture than I can, but they ain't doing nothing. It's just a bunch of head knowledge. It's just a bunch of, of, of facts. And they can tell you the history of this and the history of that and the genealogy of this and, and all these things. And Well, that's wonderful and good, but what about me and my relationship with my wife? You know, How is that going to help me right now with that? You're not being a doer of the Word. You're not acting on the Word. And as we do that, that's what changes us. And so, listen to me carefully. To build better relationships... The first thing we must do is put God first in every area of life. Doing this puts our priorities in order. So here's your homework assignment for the week. Consider and weigh where you're at with the Lord. Look at your relationship with Him. In other words, remember, what's our first and greatest command? Love God with everything that we have. So ask yourself, are you doing that? Are you loving God with everything? Now, everything doesn't mean, well, I love God. He knows my heart. He knows my heart. Well, that's wonderful that He knows your heart, and He does know your heart. But how about you show Him? How about you act on it? How about, how about you spend a little bit more time getting in His Word or at all? In other words, spending some time praying, not just going to Him with a problem. Sometimes for Christians across America, we rise up when there's a problem, and then we forget about them. I remember when 9-11 occurred. Horrible, horrible thing. But I remember how that impacted the church. Man, the church just ballooned. It just, for a few weeks, it just really picked up in America. And people were seeking God. But once things settled, all of a sudden everything goes back to normal, you know. Well, you know what? We can't have those experiences with the Lord. We need to have... And every day, all the time, connection to Him. Not just an occasional connection. Spend a little bit of time. Make a small goal. Just say, you know what? I'm going to get a one-year Bible, and I'm going to read the one-year Bible. 
every day. But when you read it, don't just read it and just, man, I got through that. Well, guess what? That isn't helpful. You want to read it and say, okay, no distraction. You know, Father, I'm asking you to open my eyes. Speak to me today through your word. And as you show me something, I'm going to be a doer of that word. And then begin to read. And read out loud, because that will help you focus. All right? It will help you focus. Trust me. All right? Don't read while the TV's on. Or the radio's on. Or something else is going. Get off by yourself a little bit. Go hide in the garage, in the car. No one will know. You know? And you're reading. Now, when you read and you catch your mind drifting off, and it will, I'm amazed that my mind can drift off while I'm talking out loud. That's amazing to me that I'm hearing myself and I'm reading, and my mind still went off to something else. And so what I'll do is when I catch myself do that, I'll say, no, 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 no. That's not good enough for me and the Lord. See, I give him my best. And when I'm reading this, I'm focused on him. And so what I'll do is I'll go back up to where I noticed I started drifting off. And then I'll start reading again. And I'll go through it. I'll catch myself. And then I don't go from one thing to the next. I give it a second. I think about what I was reading. I think about, you know, well, what did I get out of that? What, what ha- then as I do that, I'll go on to the next thing and the next thing. You know, one, day, one year Bible, I think they break it down to four, most of them anyway, four areas. But whatever you choose, daily. Everybody say daily. You need your daily portion of manna. All the time. You can't live on yesterday's man. You can't live on yesterday's knowledge. You need it fresh all the time. And then when the Lord challenges you on something, and He points something out to you, make the adjustment. Change it in your life. That's how you put Him first. As He shows you things and reveals things to you, when you open your heart and you seek Him, and trust me, it will happen as you seek Him, you're going to find things all the time to adjust. You're going to come to church and at a whole new level because you came to church, what? Ready to go. Amen? You're already charged up. You already spent time in the Word. You spent time with the Lord all week. In fact, we ought to get to the point where you're giving, not just receiving in church. You know? I, if, we, if we had a, a time of prayer, and then I, I opened it up for, uh, you know, just allow the Lord to speak, and He would do that through uh, prophecy or tongues and interpretation of tongues, then if we were all full of God in here, what would happen is, if you were willing we would hear three or four uh, encouraging words from the Lord. But a lot of the times I have found in church <laughs> that usually it's just the minister or maybe one other person. Why? Because they haven't been filling themselves up during the week. Amen. Oh, me. You know? <laughs> Everybody say it with me. Say, I'm going to seek the Lord this week.